good to see you. School, for some of you, has already started, but it's going to crank up this next week full-blown. Parents say, yay. Students say, no. That's kind of the way it is, but uh, parents are always ready for school to start more than kids are, that's for sure. Hey, I want to say a quick word, and then we'll jump into God's Word. I appreciate our worship team so much. Um, uh, Brett and Helen and the kids were on vacation last week, and uh, Brett texted last night. He's back in town and everything, uh, uh, but he texted last night that he has come down with the shingles, and uh, so he was unable to come today and just kind of told the worship team, and, and man, uh, if you're a guest today, you're thinking, oh, man, that was sweet. And it was sweet, and uh, but we pray for Brett that he's over it quickly. Don't don't go give him your most horrendous story about your shingles. Oh, it killed me! I, you know he didn't need to hear that. He he's in pain, so uh, don't do that. Um, Pam and I during our time off I shared with you last week. We went hiking, and we like to hike. We like to go up in the mountains and just. Get away knowing that we may be at a place that nobody else may come that day just to get away from crowds, just to get out there in nature. We, we love it. Um, a couple of pictures, just, um, Pam's beautiful, but I want you to see the scenery, uh, behind just up on the crest and show the next one just so you can get a picture of the, the crest. You know, the, that was at the top, obviously. The hike itself, you know, you're not getting that view the whole time. You're getting views and you're looking down to overcome rocks and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, that's a view from the top when you finally get to the top. We have an app called All Trails. Any of you have All Trails app? Yeah. All Trails uh, is a great app because... It literally, all over the world, you can hike, and it has the trails that are there. And so what we're able to do is take all trails map, plug in, uh, and even does the one in the Austin area, plug in the ones. We were in New Mexico that were near us. We were able to go and do it, download it. And what all trails gives you, it gives you... Um, the the obviously you download the trail it tells you the trail it tells you uh also the difficulty of the trail whether it's easy moderate or uh extreme or difficult and so you can know that ahead of time you can know that what they say might be the duration of of uh, the trip so you know normal people it may be uh, three hours or six hours or whatever. So you you know these things. Uh, also, the neat thing about all trails is it gives you testimonials of people that have been on the walk before you, and they may come back and say, "Watch out for this here," or "Yeah, this was beautiful when you get to the top. Make sure you notice this." Testimonials of the trip. However, there are certain things that all trails does not tell you. It does not necessarily tell you the views you're going to see especially on the way up it may not do that it it might not it might give you the average duration but it can't tell you precisely how long it's going to take it will uh tell you to get back on the trail if you if you've gotten off 
So these, these are kind of things. It also does not tell you what you're going to find on the trail, i.e. Uh, bears, elk, uh, deer, a, a swarm of bees. We came upon this swarm of bees that you can hear way away from, I, I thought it was a weed eater. And uh, the closer we got, I thought, man, that's incredible. And then I'm thinking, man, I hope they don't see us. And uh, we went by them, and uh, that was there. So all trails doesn't tell you about that. There's certain things it does tell you, certain things it doesn't tell you. And I, and I think about that. I think about life where you and I walk and live out this life, duration, however long it is, 70, 80, uh, 20, I don't know how many years we're going to have, but we walk it out on this planet. And as followers of Jesus, we go to the Scriptures, and it tells us some pretty specific things about the journey. It tells us uh, that it will be a lifelong journey. It, it tells us that we're going to do it from the time we're born till the time we step out. We're going to be on this progressive journey that we're taking. It also tells you the difficulty of the, of the journey. Jesus himself said, uh, enter by the narrow gate. Because wide is the gate and easy is the path that leads to destruction and those that find it are many. But narrow is the gate and hard is the way that leads to life and those that find it are few. So we know it's going to be a difficult trek at, at times. In fact, if we're on an easy trek too long in life, we better make sure we're on the right road. And so it tells us that. The other thing that we are aware of is that we have testimonials of this journey through life. Some of you have been on it longer than I have. I can read about those in the Scriptures that did the walk and now are in the presence of the Lord. And then there's other people that give testimonials about this journey of life. But this is the way it is. What do we call it? Last week, we called it the will of God. Uh, in fact, I'm calling this series Resetting Your Compass in a disoriented world. Because listen, our world is disoriented today. We, we've lost our way. We don't know politically what is right. We don't know, uh, social justice wise, racially, uh, spiritually, uh, morally. We've lost our compass. And, and the Lord is desiring of His church, beginning with His church, reset your compass in this disoriented day so that you're going the right direction. And so we we see life this way. Um, but there are certain things that are essential and certain things that are specific when it comes to the will of God. And we're going to talk about this today because everybody wants to know the specific will of God. Who am I to marry? What school am I to go to? What job? Where are we to live? We We want those specifics. But there, before we get to the specifics, we've got to talk about the essentials in the will of God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can find that verse if you want to. It's going to be on the screen. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Most, many of you have memorized it. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. 
Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own intuition. But trust in the Lord in the, in the part of this journey. And all of us would say, Amen, yeah, right on, if we could just trust in the Lord. But you know as well as I do, that day in and day out, we struggle with staying in the middle of God's desire and God's will for our lives. And I thought about that. I thought, why do I not walk continuously in what God would desire and will for me? So I thought about some things, and, and this is me, and so hopefully you can identify. Number one is we don't seem to know the will of God. We don't don't know it or it hasn't been taught to us. So we we struggle in that area. But number two is more realistic. I don't want to do the will of God. Um, it might look somewhat different from how my life currently looks, and I, I don't want to do it. There was a lady, a Scottish lady, a little old lady who traveled throughout Scotland, and she sold she sold her wares, which wear not underwear wares. I always got to be careful, uh, which were uh, things that she had made out of fabric, buttons, needles, that kind of stuff. So she would go around selling these things. But they noticed that when she would come to a split path, she would take a stick and throw it in the air and let it hit. And they asked her that, what that was, and she said that wherever the stick points is the direction she would go. And they thought, oh, okay. Well, they were watching her one day. She came to a a divide in the road, took the stick, threw it in the air. It landed. She picked it up again, threw it in the air, landed. Picked it up a third time, and it landed. And guy, he knew what was going on. He he comes up and said, hey, I know when you throw the stick in the air, uh, it gives you the direction to go. Why did you throw it three times? And she said, well, uh, the first two times it pointed this direction, but I wanted to go this direction. And that describes so much of our life. God is saying, I, I really need you here. But God, I want to go here. I want to do this. Because our selfish nature screams at us to please it. And so we want to pursue pleasure instead of a path that may uh, be difficult even though it's the best place for us to be. So, one other reason, though, that I think we miss out on walking in the will of God, and I want you to hear this, we don't trust Him. We don't trust Him. The writer of Proverbs said, Trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Lean not on your own understanding. We just don't trust God. Why do we we not trust Him? Well, number one, we don't know His character. We we see certain people that are followers of Jesus, and we're thinking, if God is like these followers, I don't want to have anything to do with him. But there's others that give us a more clear picture, but we just don't understand and know the character of God. Um, we We believe this sometimes. We believe he'll squash us and kill our joy, and, and not let us have any pleasure at all. He's an old man in a rocking chair. He's distant. He's out of step with our times. He's lost control in our day. He's confused and he's confusing. Now, you would never say that out loud just the way I said it. But there's times in the stillness of our heart when we think, 
God, do you really know what's going on in this planet? And we just don't trust Him. And here's another one. We believe God is big enough to handle our eternity, but He's not big enough to handle our today. We trust Him with heaven or hell. Oh, Lord, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to trust you. Well, what about today? Ah, I've kind of got it under control today. And so we, we, don't, uh, we don't trust Him because we want to control. Uh, I read this quote this week. I sometimes wonder why people would seek the will of God at, at a pivotal moment in life if, if they have been ignoring God's will in their daily lives. So we trust Him with our eternity, but trust Him with today. I want to give you four uh, character traits or attributes of God right quick. I'm going, to, I'm going to blow through these because I don't want to camp out too long on these. But, but if we're going to trust God, I think these four attributes we uh, at least need to get. Number one, he's, he's ever-present. He's always there. He was there when you were knit in your mother's womb. He has seen your days. He has never abandoned you. He knows exactly what you're going through today. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not uh, uh, distant from you. He's intimately involved with you right now. I want you to know that's the kind of God that we serve. He's ever-present. And I know some of you may have been like, my mom has a gift of guilt. And she'd say, remember whatever movie you go to or wherever you go, you're taking Jesus in there with you. That that will always deter what you might have on your mind. But the truth of the matter, he's already there. He is ever-present. He is that massive of a God. Secondly, he's all-knowing. There is nothing beyond his knowledge. Uh, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows your situation. He knew, he knew in all the scope of history where you would live, and when you would be. In Acts 17, 26, it says this, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. He knew, I I sometimes say, God, why would you let me be born at this time in the most affluent place on the planet, where I could hear about Jesus and, and walk it out. Why did you let me? But he ordained that. To whom much is given, much is required. But he has ordained your time and where you would live. He sees inside and out, and this is always scary. He knows my motives, right? He knows my motives and intent, not just the action that is there. He knows my weaknesses. He knows my strengths. He's never caught by surprise. He's not wringing his hands saying, oh, I can't believe this COVID variant has come up. It didn't take him by surprise. So he is an all-knowing God. The third one is this. He's all-powerful. There's He, he is all-powerful. There is nothing that he can't uh, overcome. There's nothing he can't do. He is the creator and sustainer of all life. Hear this. He's greater than war. He's greater than evil. 
He's greater than sickness. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than loneliness. He's greater than racism and social injustice. He's greater than political systems. He's greater than final exams. He is great. He's greater than. He's more powerful than. So, He's ever-present. He is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. The fourth one is this. He's constant love. He's constant love. And the love of God, they actually came up with a new word for it. It's called agape love. It's a love that is sacrificial. It's a love that's undeserving. So I look at myself as totally undeserving as I am of the love of God. He loves me anyway. And He's sacrificial in His love. And His grace covers all. And there's no condemnation for me uh, because of am in Christ Jesus. Hear this. Before you commit to the will of God... You must realize that He is God, and He is fully trustworthy, and He knows what is best for us. You're not going to trust Him unless you get to know Him. And and there's a will of God that He has for us. There's an essential will of God, and there's a specific will of God that you want to walk out, but you're not going to do it if you don't trust Him. So... 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read this passage to you. And then I want to get very practical with you in walking out God's will for your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, says this. Paul is writing to the church here. He says this. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Underline that. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger. How about that, Marvel? Uh, the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Verse 3. I want to emphasize this. Bold it. However it's going to stick out to you. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, I'm going to define sanctification. So that you understand, if this is the will of God for me, this is, this is the will of God, my sanctification, what in the world does that mean? Here, here, let me give you a working definition. It'll be on the screen. Sanctification. A process by which God sets us apart. We live transformed, holy lives that are submitted to God for His glory and use. Let me read it one more time. 
A process. In other words, it's an ongoing. As long as you're in this earth suit, you're going to be growing in this process of sanctification. It's not a magic wand, you know, rich is sanctified. Boom. You know, it's not that way. It's a process that takes place. Salvation, instantaneous. Sanctification is a growing process. A process by which God sets us apart. That's really what holiness means. Sets us apart. We live transformed, holy lives that are submitted to God for His glory and use. Bottom line, God knows the best thing for us is to be close to Him. He wants to set us apart. He, he doesn't want us to, to be conformed to this world like we talked about last week. He wants us to be set apart unto His use. Now, part of that is purification, holiness, righteousness, right living, uh, these kind of things. And, and here's the deal. When we say the will of God, we, we almost think, oh man, the will, you know, the will. It, try this word. Really, the desire of God for your life is that you be close to Him. And the reason He wants you close to Him is because this world will chew you up and spit you out. And your safety and your purpose is to be close to Him. So that He can be brought glory and honor. You you see, we, we take the will of God and make it so difficult, but it is there's an essential will of God. Now, stick with me over the next few minutes because... Most of us want the specific will of God. God, am I to take this job? Am I to marry that girl? Am I to go to this school? God, what's my major need to be? What's my career need to be? Should we move to Round Rock, move to Dallas, move to uh, wherever? Should we do these things? And, and we want the specific will of God. But before we can get to the specific will of God, which we will, we're going to talk about the essential will of God. And I'm going to be making some points. They will be on the board, and I think these will be very practical in helping you out. But first one is this. Most of the will of God has been revealed in His Word. Most of the will of God has already been revealed in His Word. In fact, uh, I, I read this quote this week. Finding God's will for your life is not as difficult as we make it out to be. In fact, 90% of God's will for my life is the same as 90% of God's will for your life. And it's been given to us by the Lord in His Scriptures. Probably 90%, maybe. But this is the essential known will of God. And the other 10% is the specific. And we spend all of our energies on this 10%. And we overlook the 90% that he has already revealed that we walk in. So here's point number two. Following the essential will of God prepares you to follow the specific will of God. Following the essentials that God has revealed, 90% prepares you for that 10%. So if you're saying, man, should I marry that fella or that, that girl? 
Well, if you're walking in this area, it's going to set you up for the right decision here. Should I go to that school? Should that be my career? Should I move there? Well, how are you doing on the essentials? The essentials prepare you for the specific. Now, Pam and I have daily rhythms and routine. I'm a rhythm kind of guy. Uh, uh, I, I, I would probably do the same thing every day. Uh, if, if, if I could, because of the rhythm. And, uh, that means I get up early, make the bed, um, uh, work out, uh, eat breakfast, eat healthy, uh, and I, I, um, have my quiet time, prayer time. I, uh, go through my day. I eat as healthy as I possibly can, uh, most of the time. And, uh, and then I, uh, um, come to the end of my day, I get to bed at a decent time, and then we take tons of supplements. Our grandkids think we're drug addicts because they come over, and there's so many supplements that, that we take. We take tons of supplements, you know, for, uh, I don't even know what they're for, but uh, we got them. They've been recommended. No, they come from highly recommended. Uh, but vitamins, supplements, you know what I'm talking about. And, and so we got the, these things. Well, why, why is that my rhythm? Why do I do those things religiously, so to speak, on a, on a daily basis? I tell you why. It is being proactive so that when things come out here, I'm already ready in my body, in my spirit, in my mind to take them on. Does that make sense? You do these essential things, and somebody's going to think, Mark, that's overkill. I mean, I'm a free spirit. I go, yeah, but you still have rhythm, and, and you do things proactively to prepare you for whatever may come out here. Uh, you do it financially. You do it emotionally. You do these things. And uh, while, while we're doing these things proactively, it's so we can be healthy and fight off the sickness that comes. So, essential will of God, okay? Study the Scriptures. I pray. I keep short accounts of sin. I worship. I work as unto the Lord with integrity. I share as an ambassador of Christ. I take care of the temple, His body. I love my wife as Christ loved the church. Uh, and And... And women, wives, respect your husband. Train up your children in the ways that they should go. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Serve one another. That, the Scriptures are very clear on those things. And so that's the essential will of God. And so I look at that and I'm saying, okay, God, this is your will. Uh, it's, I don't have to wonder, should I love my neighbor? Because you've instructed me to love my neighbor. Um uh, You've instructed me on these things, what I'm to do, and I'm to do these things as essential so that I'm ready for the specific that may come out there. Uh, here's another way of looking at it. Uh, many of you have been to Walmart uh, over the last month, or you go to HEB, and you get this uh, sheet of paper from your teacher, or they have it there, and you take this sheet, and then you begin to buy all of these school supplies that are on your list. And you're looking at that list, 
And maybe at the time they don't exactly make sense. Why do we need tongue depressors or popsicle sticks or what? You know, there may be something odd on there, but you know, the teacher says these are the essentials. Why do they, the teacher say these are the essentials and you go into Walmart and buy them? So you, so you can be prepared for the school year that is coming. Okay? So there is an essentials that we do to prepare us for specific things that God has for us to do. And here's the other thought in that. I want you to get this. God will not go against His essential will. He will not go against it. In other words, somebody specifically, and I heard this story the other day, uh, true story, that a husband, been married for a long time, this happened about 12 years ago, he came into his wife and he gave her a stack of paper that he had done a study on to defend being polygamous and he wanted another woman to move in into the family. Nuh-uh. <laughs> Nuh-uh. God has an essential will. And He's not going to go against that essential will for your specific will. Somebody's going to come and say, well, we need to live together before we get married because we feel like it's going to prepare us for marriage. Uh-uh. There is an essential will. And what has happened in our culture today, tell me if I'm wrong, we are so disoriented that we're going we're gonna to do whatever makes us feel good. And we're going to find somebody who's going to defend that. Or we, we've got... I, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, walk away from my family because, uh, I, I believe I, I'm in love with this, this woman now. Nuh-uh. He is not gonna go against his essential will in your specific situation. So you learn these essentials so you can be ready for the specific. Point number three. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of God's Word to you. And here's the reason I put that in there. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth of God's Word to you. I have discovered that people can take their Bible, all 66 books in the Bible, and they can try to make it prove some of the most stupid stuff in the world. There have been cult groups that have developed that people have taken their lives because somebody has taken the scriptures and warped it. And and sometimes people come up and say, "Man, Mark, I don't know about that Leviticus stuff. I I read that and and uh, I I read it annually too. But I got to be honest, uh, I just read it. I am so glad I'm a Gentile. I really am, uh, because that's been dealt with in the scriptures." When the Gentiles, like me, started coming to Christ, the church leaders went to Jerusalem to talk with the other church leaders, and they said, hey, these Gentiles are coming to Christ, and there's these false teachers are coming around saying that they need to keep the law first before they can become Christians. What do you say about it? So the church leaders fasted and prayed, and they came back and they said this, 
We don't want to make it too hard for these people. We can't even keep the law. Why would we make them keep the law? The one thing we ask is that they uh, don't eat meat, sacrifice to idols, that they uh, abstain from sexual immorality, and that they remember the poor. That's what he said. That's what the, the church fathers said. Well, Mark, are you saying we shouldn't keep the Ten Commandments? We don't keep them anyway. We break them all the time. The, the book of Romans, it does tell me that when I read the law, it breaks my heart because I realize how sinful I am. But we cannot take the Scriptures and make it say what we want it to say. There, we, so we have to trust the Holy Spirit to interpret the Word for us. And, and we know that the Scripture is living and active and it trains us up in the way we should go. And it convicts and it corrects. And the Holy Spirit not only reveals, hear this, but He enables and empowers you to live it. You cannot live it on your own. His Holy Spirit enables and empowers. Last point is this. No one will ever find the specific will of God unless they are invested in the essential will of God. No one will ever find the specific will of God unless they are invested in the essential will of God. The question is, how do I invest in the essential will of God? Well, I would suggest reading the Word like a love letter or an owner manual. Make it personal. See that God has a personal Word for you. Many times we read it as a historical novel, and it's so much more. It's living and active. Ask God to reveal His essential will to you. Lord, what are you saying here? When you say it's my will that I live a life of gratitude, what are you saying? Well, it's pretty automatic. You say serve one another. God, is that what you were asking of me? Yes. Uh, Lord, you're saying to love you, to love my neighbor, to love my enemy. Lord, is that for me? Yes. You read it. Start reading it in that way. The the third thing under that, how do I invest? Hear God's Word taught clearly. I say that because there's some teachers today that make God's Word so vague and mysterious that the average believer is lost in the fog. I mean, we try to show off intelligence. Uh, you're lucky you got me as a pastor. I have no intelligence, so, so I'm, I'm here. But we need to hear God's Word taught clearly. And then the, the, the last thing under investing is live out what you do know. I've come to the conclusion that if I'm living out what I do know, I don't have time to reflect on what I don't know. I, I want to live what I do know. Nike has made billions of dollars on a campaign that just says three words, just do it. James in the New Testament said the same thing. Don't be hearers only, be doers of the word. So this is the essential will. Next week we're going to talk about the specific will, which... Most of us want to get into anyway, but this is the essential will, a will of God. Let me let me um, let me tie this together. Just hang with me. <clears throat> Sometimes, in, in I would say in this group, uh, many people, 
maybe watching online or whatever, you know the essential will of God, but you've drifted from it. You've wandered. You know, you know the Lord's desires for you. Get into His Word and to pray. Live a life of integrity. Live a life of holiness and purity. You, you know these things are God's will for you, but you've wandered. In London, uh, we have a daughter in London, so we, we like to go uh, as much as we can. But um, there is an uh, area called Charing Cross. You've maybe heard about it. The history of Charing Cross is uh, they, there were 12 crosses that were made, uh, Queen Eleanor crosses. When Queen Eleanor died, they actually uh, were her funeral possession, procession of where they spent the night, they would put a cross up. In the heart of London, they, there's one they put up called Charing Cross. Now, uh, most of the crosses are gone nowadays, but at Charing Cross in the heart of London, they, at Charing Cross, they, they used to measure the heart of London. So everything was measured from Charing Cross. So the distance in London, it was the center. Everything measured out from the, the Charing Cross that was there. And uh, they, they got to the point where they just call it the cross. Instead of Charing Cross, it's called the cross. There's train station there, subway, um, uh, bus terminals. We've been in it. Uh, Charing uh, Cross. It's called the cross. And uh, story goes of a little girl who had gotten lost and wandered. And she was found by the policeman. And uh, he said, uh, honey, do you know where you live? And she, she was lost. She couldn't figure out where she lived. And, and she said, who are your parents? And, and so she was, she was so flustered. And uh, he he finally asked her, is there any landmark that I can help you with? And she said this, if you can take me to the cross, I can find my way from there. You know, that's the way it is when life. What the Father desires for us is to come near to the cross. Because at the cross is where Jesus ultimately poured out this continuous love upon us. And so, are, are prone to wander. Gosh, I know you're prone to wander. I do too. And if the Lord can pull us back to the cross, we can find the way from there.